It's one of the highly debated sports conversations around SEC fan bases the last couple weeks, and it will continue on until it's finalized. What are the three permanent opponents going to be for your favorite SEC football team when the conference expands to, uh, to, to 16 teams and nine conference games likely in 2024? Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated, came out with his new rendition on who he thinks everybody's going to be playing. What do you say about Tennessee? Is this right? Is it wrong? How are we feeling about it? That and a whole lot more here on your Tuesday. Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is Locked on Vols, and I'm your host, Eric Kane. You can always find me on Twitter. That's at underscore Kaner and at Locked on Vols. Always on YouTube by liking, subscribing to this channel, and uh, listening wherever you find your podcast. Coming up in segment three, I'm going to read off uh, where some of you guys have told me that you've been watching and listening from a part of the mailbag section coming up in segment number three. So really, really, uh, it, it brings a smile to my face whenever I read that you guys are you know, listening to it in this part of the country or this part of the country, wherever. Uh, seriously, it means a lot. So that and some of your questions in segment three. Three volunteers named to the All-SEC team, part of the coaches in segment two. But you guys know I love starting off each and every show with a football topic. And this kind of came out on Friday. And so it's had a couple of days to stew a little bit. But, um, you know, I don't do a show on Saturday. So I wanted to bring this to your attention. Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated, he came out with his new uh, best guess, if you will, in terms of who is going to be playing who when the SEC expands to 16 teams and likely nine conference games, three permanent opponents, six crossovers. It's that, that three, six model to make nine conference games. And uh, he kind of came out with who he thought each and everybody's going to play. So we're going to start our conversation, start our show uh, with that. In terms of Tennessee, who Ross Dellinger predicts, and he says that this is from industry insiders and conversations with the SEC. This is in no way, shape, or form official. That'll come out from the conference, likely around the SEC spring meetings here uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, to, to months. But this is the best guess right now from Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, who is one of the best you know reporters covering college football. He does an excellent job. He says Tennessee's three permanent opponents will be Vanderbilt, no surprise, Alabama, no surprise, and then it will be South Carolina. South Carolina. I mean, what a what a buzzkill. Am I right? I mean, and again, that's not just because South Carolina had their way with Tennessee this past year. It is what it is. But, I mean, there's nothing that gets me juiced up about South Carolina. And the more renditions that we've been seeing from this outlet, this reporter, this outlet, this reporter over the last year, right? I mean, there's been a couple in there with South Carolina. But I, I think the the thought was that it would be Kentucky. And I guess that's, you shouldn't assume anything, <clears throat> excuse me. You should never assume anything, but it just makes so much more sense to be Kentucky. I mean, you're saving the world's largest cocktail party. You're saving the egg bowl. You're saving the iron bowl. You're saving the third Saturday in October. You're saving, uh, you're saving a lot of these rivalries along the sec. And you know, though it hasn't been historically as competitive, Tennessee and Kentucky have played every single year since, Gosh, I mean, it's, it's, it's been 80, 80 years or so, right? And I think it's going to be really unfortunate if it does turn out to be Tennessee playing Alabama, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina, that you're going to miss out on a Kentucky game every single year. There's more bad blood in this rivalry for Tennessee and Kentucky than anything in regards to Tennessee-South Carolina. Um, 
it's just kind of disappointing that 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 might be the way it is. I mean, of course, this isn't news. I mean, it's not like Alabama or South Carolina was never going to be in consideration to be that third opponent for Tennessee. But if that is truly what it's going to be, I mean, what do you think about that? Uh, Vanderbilt, of course, makes sense. That was never going to go away. It's an in-state opponent two and a half hours away. It is what it is. The third Saturday in October is never going to go away. Tennessee and Alabama played for years upon years upon years. And if you're trying to preserve rivalries, Kentucky, the Border Bowl, the Battle of the Beer Barrel, would make a whole lot of sense. So it's Tennessee playing Alabama, Alabama, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina. What about Alabama? Let's look at these uh, permanent opponents for Tennessee first. Well, they they draw kind of the, the short end of the straw, right? You've got Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. I mean, goodness gracious, right? I mean, Auburn is <clears throat> historically, you know, they'll bounce back and up every, uh, every couple of years, and it, it's got... It's got money. It's got a crazy fan base. We know about Auburn. LSU might have the most talent-rich states outside of Florida and Georgia, but the talent in the state of Louisiana is really, really good. They've got a heck of a coach now in Brian Kelly. And then you have Tennessee, which over the course of the past 10 years, which is kind of what Nick Saban's saying, like you got to take into account the last 10 years, Tennessee would have been the gimme game in that. But now Tennessee looks like it's on the right path with Josh Heupel as head coach. And of course, coming off a 10-win regular season, an 11-win overall season, and a New Year's Six Bowl victory in the Orange Bowl. That's tough sledding if you're Alabama, playing Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU every single year. Let's go to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, according to this um, diagram from uh, from Ross Dellinger, has Tennessee, Auburn, and Missouri. That's kind of fair. I mean, I guess Auburn would be the heavy hitter there. Tennessee would be the the middle layer and then Missouri would just kind of be the gimme game. If you're looking at it from a Vanderbilt perspective or in chances of the most gimme games, let's look at South Carolina. South Carolina would have Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky. You know, South Carolina doesn't have many natural rivalries in the sec, right? Tennessee has natural rivalries. Florida's got nat- uh Auburn's got national natural rivalries. Alabama has natural rivalries. Ole Miss has natural rivalries. Um, you know, Mississippi State has some natural rivalries. South Carolina really doesn't have many natural rivalries. And, of course, Florida now, you could say Tennessee's a rival. You could say Georgia's a rival. Um, of course, you can say some of these other schools are rivals as well. But it, it just not, nothing's doing it for me in terms of you're South Carolina and you're playing Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky every year. Uh, let's move up and down the list really quickly. For Missouri, it would be Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt. Um, for Arkansas, it would be Missouri, Texas, and Ole Miss. For Texas A&M, it would be LSU, Texas, and Mississippi State. It's good to see A&M and Texas playing again. For Texas, it would be Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. That's uh, not the easiest go about, right? For Oklahoma, it would be Texas, Missouri, and Florida. LSU would be Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and Alabama. Ole Miss would be Mississippi State, LSU, and Arkansas. For Mississippi State, it would be Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Texas A&M. That's a pretty good draw, if you ask me. Um, we already mentioned Alabama. Auburn's would be Alabama, Georgia, and Vanderbilt. So two heavy hitters, and then a gimme there with Vanderbilt. We know about Tennessee's. Kentucky's would be Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Georgia. Georgia's would be Auburn, Florida, and Kentucky. Florida's would be Georgia, South Carolina, and Oklahoma. And then again, South Carolina, which you've already mentioned, would be Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky. So what say you? What, what do you think about this? I just I feel like, and again, this is not official. I do feel like Kentucky would just mean so much more for Tennessee fans. And I know the Southeastern Conference isn't trying to, they're not going to make every single fan base happy. 
They're not going to try to prioritize any fan base over another. They're already prioritizing the third Saturday in October and the in-state rivalry Vanderbilt. So obviously, Kentucky is third on that list, but it is, it's is—it's something that means an awful lot, right? It does. A lot of you guys are asking about how does this affect basketball? Well, when the conference expands to 16 teams, okay, a nine-game regular season for football, for basketball, this means each season a team will play two permanent opponents home and away, one rotating opponent home and away, plus the 12 remaining teams in single contests either home or away for a total of 18 conference games. For the SEC men's basketball tournament, like Tennessee is about to go, go into uh, later this week, all 16 teams will compete in a single elimination format consisting with the current format but with two additional games. The top four seeded teams will continue to receive a bye through the first two rounds of the tournament. And for the two permanent opponents for Tennessee basketball, if you had to guess, they'd be Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Obviously, Tennessee-Kentucky is one of the best basketball rivalries in the Southeastern Conference. That's not going anywhere. And then again, Vanderbilt's just always going to be a gimme with Tennessee. Tennessee will always play Vanderbilt. It doesn't matter what sport you're playing. Vanderbilt will be prioritized when regarding Tennessee in football and basketball and then pretty much anything else. So what do you think about this? According to Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated, Tennessee's three permanent opponents will likely be Vanderbilt, Alabama, and South Carolina. I just, again, in conclusion, nothing more than I've already said. South Carolina, just there's nothing about that that gets me juiced up. But what is exciting about this is it's a win because... South Carolina right now is 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 a very winnable game. Of course, Vanderbilt's a very winnable game. And then you just beat Alabama, which is good, and Nick Saban's not going to coach forever. So it's a win in that regard, don't get me wrong. I mean, Tennessee, Tennessee should be happy about this and not have to say anything, with the exception of maybe trying to fight for Kentucky. But it's also a win for fans because you can get in the car and drive to all these locations. You can get in the car and drive two and a half hours west of Vanderbilt. You can get in the car and travel the four and a half hours to South Carolina or whatever that is. And then you can get in the car and travel, you know, the four hours to Alabama. It's a day trip if you want to make it for all these football games. Whereas Florida plays Oklahoma. I mean, that is that is a that is a long drive. And of course, there are, there are other, um, you know, there are other long, long top road trips for teams like Missouri and A and M and now Texas and stuff like that. So um, it's all about how you look at it. To me, if it turns out this way, South Carolina does absolutely nothing for me. It's not a juicy matchup. It is not a sexy matchup. But, hey, it is what it is. And, um, you know, if that if that is what happens, then Tennessee should certainly take it, not say anything. But hopefully, hopefully, there can be a Hail Mary for Kentucky in there because I know for a guy that grew up in East Tennessee and saw Tennessee play Vanderbilt in Kentucky to end every single season, that game means a little bit more for this guy talking to the microphone right now. All right, when we come back, three volunteers made the All-SEC Coaches team. Who are they, and how big of an accomplishment is this? Mailback questions coming up later in the show. But first, I want to remind you guys about Bill Bar for a delicious treat. And you don't want all those fat and calories. You've got to try Bill Bar. Just got through that holiday season. Swimsuit season is right around the corner. You want to start watching what you eat, but you don't want to sacrifice taste for health. But healthy is actually tasty with Bill Bar. How do they make them so good? Well, for starters, it's covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, it is real chocolate. And they have unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. Not really sure how they do it, but listen to what all this has, what all the Bill Bar entails, okay? First and foremost, it's only 130 calories. It's still covered in 100% real chocolate, but it's only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. 
And now you don't need to wait around for your box by ordering at Built.com. You can still do that. But your local Walmart and Sam's Club can also sell them as well. Four-bar box at Walmart by walking into the pharmacy section. Or if you're at your Sam's Club, you can head up a 13-bar box. You can get hit flavors like cookies and cream, double chocolates, coconut puffs, uh, brownie batter, churro, all that and more at Sam's, at Walmart, and as always at Build.com. For Build Bar, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 100% 100% real chocolate, that is Built Bar. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, welcome back into it. Your segment number two of a Tuesday show, Mailbag Edition of the show, is coming up next. This is Locked On Vols. And I'm your host, Eric Kane. Hey, Q of the Day. Got off to a, a hot start. Uh, forgot to forgot to mention the Q of the Day. This is brought on by a Twitter Tuesday question we're going to get to in segment number three. But I want to go ahead and ask you guys, what freshman are you looking forward to seeing the most during football spring practice? Is it Nico? Is that a slam dunk easy answer? Because, I mean, that's acceptable. He is a five-star number one rated player in the country. So, you know, that could be Nico Imaliava. Iamaliava. I said that fast. It sounded weird. Um, could it be Nathan Laycock, the wide receiver? Could it be one of those freshman linebackers? Who are you looking forward to seeing the most? Uh, I'm intrigued. So that is the cue of the day. You can hit me up at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Vols. And as always, in the comment section here on the YouTube video. All right, let's talk a little hoops here in segment number two. Of course, we know Tennessee fell on the plains, finished with uh, finished uh, with getting that fifth seed in the uh, SEC tournament. It's going to start off on Thursday night, playing the winner of a game on Wednesday of Ole Miss and South Carolina. Tennessee barely got by Ole Miss back in December, but they were playing without Triple J. Um, kind of a different team, obviously, now, especially without Zakai Ziegler. But Tennessee beat South Carolina by 40 points, both home and away. So um, looking uh, looking like a, a good matchup for Tennessee in that regards for its Thursday matchup. But then if you win Thursday, you're going to get another crack at Missouri that beat you at the buzzer a, a couple weeks ago. So... Uh, but here's this. The All-SEC coaches team came out on Monday afternoon. Tennessee has three players named to the All-SEC team, and uh, a couple of different things go along with it. <clears throat> so you got Santiago Vescovi. For the second straight year, he has been named a first-team All-SEC selection. So that, that's good to see. There are eight members on the first-team coaches All-SEC. Santiago Vescovi, for the second straight year, is on that first-team All-SEC. Sakai Ziegler earned a spot on the second team. And there was a point in time where he was arguably the best player in the SEC, uh, the best point guard, one of the best point guards in the country during that stretch in January and early February when Zakai was just playing out of his mind, right? And it's unfortunate, it's heartbreaking that uh, he tore his ACL at the beginning of the Arkansas game last week, and he's going to be not available for Tennessee for the SEC tournament. Of course, he wasn't this last last Saturday at Auburn and for the NCAA tournament, but uh, a good... uh, Tip of the cap there to Scott Ziegler for earning a spot on the second team all-conference list by the coaches. Uh, Ziegler was also named to the all-defensive team, which is a really, really good accomplishment and something that has been pretty much an every-year occurrence 
almost, uh, while Rick Barnes has been head coach here at Tennessee. So that was good to see. And then Julian Phillips was named to the all-freshman team. He missed a little bit of time with a hip flexor here of late. He's come back the last couple of games. Um, he has not jumped out of the gym in terms of scoring points. You saw earlier in the season around Thanksgiving where he scored 25 against Southern Cal, and you thought, okay, well, maybe that won't be every single game, but every now and again you'll see that five-star flair in, in terms of putting the ball in the basket, and you'll get a 20-point effort from Julian Phillips. Really, that hasn't been the case this year. Um, he's gotten you a, a lot of a lot of games scoring in the teens. He's not the biggest rebounder, but he's a really good defender. According to some met, uh, matrix, he's arguably Tennessee's best defender, and uh, that's saying something with Zakai Ziegler and Josiah Jordan-James on the team. So it's been a good freshman season for Julian Phillips. We'll see what his future entails. But those are the three Vols named to the all-conference team with Zakai Ziegler wearing two hats, second team recipients, and a member of the all-defensive team. So that's giving more on him. He's included in this team's, um, you know, first team, you know, all SEC by the league's coaches. This is uh, the fifth time that a Vol has been named first team all SEC during the Rick Barnes era. Okay, so Rick Barnes had Grant Williams make the team in 2018 and 2019. Admiral Schofield make the team in 2019. And Vest could be the last two seasons. That's kind of hard to believe, right? I mean, there's been some good basketball players here at Tennessee with Rick Barnes. And this is only the fifth time a player's made first team all SEC, two of which coming from Grant Williams two of which coming from Santiago Vescovy, and one of which coming from Admiral Schofield. So really just three players the entire time Rick Barnes has been here has been named to the all-conference team by the coaches. It's kind of hard to believe if you ask me. Um, it's kind of surprising a little bit. But it just kind of you know is what it is in that regard. Uh, for the second straight year, Vescovy finished SEC regular season play as the league leader in three-point average, which is saying something because, boy, was he bad at points in time this year because... I don't think he's ever been right. I think that shoulder's been giving him issues all year long. Um, but still, he's leading the league in three-point uh, percentage, shooting at 38%, made 46 of 119, and um, that was in conference play. He also finished second in the league in three-point makes per game at 2.71. So he was almost shooting three, or he was almost making a, a trio of three-pointers each and every game. Uh, Vescovy, this is one part of his game that I think has been super underrated. He was not a defender when he got here at Tennessee. I mean, he got off the plane and stepped into the starting lineup midway through his freshman year. You know, he remember he got here over the Christmas holiday because Tennessee had Lamonte Turner that had to retire early uh, because of injuries and all that. And Tennessee just needed a player, right? And he's played every single game since, right? Or pretty much. Um, but he was not a defender. His defense was a, a big time, um, a big time just kind of hole in his game. And um, he was a liability out there defensively. But in 17 SEC games this year, Vescovy is averaging 13 points, 4.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and 1.7 steals per game. Uh, eighth, finishing 8th in the league in terms of steals at 1.7 steals per game. So almost getting 2 steals a game, which is which is really, really cool. Um, so in, in terms of Ziegler, so he's named to the SEC All-Defensive Team for the second straight year. He was named to that team last year again. And he becomes only the fourth vol or third vol of all time to record multiple stomps on the all defensive teams, joining E. Pons, which obviously was the defensive player of the year one year, and Josh Richardson, who has a long sustaining NBA career. That's pretty pretty good company there if you're Zakai Ziegler in terms of being a multiple honoree on the all defensive team for the SEC. Uh, that's that's really really good stuff. So Julian Phillips, he you know was named to the All Freshman Team as we mentioned. 
Um, he goes on to join Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, Kennedy Chandler. Those guys were all named to the All SEC team as fresh or the All Freshman teams uh, during their one seasons at Tennessee the last two years. So that was good to see. Josiah Jordan James was also named to the SEC Community Service Team as well. Um, speaking of Josiah Jordan James, any snubs here? Do you think that there's been any snubs to this all-SEC team? I would say no, because if Triple J was in the lineup more this season and not hurt so much, potentially he could have been pushing for spots uh, on one of these teams, but he he just wasn't, and so that's unfortunate. Olivier Cumwatt, certainly not, because he's not been consistent at all this season. So I think the three that you know, were awarded, Vescovy, Ziegler, and Phillips, are all deserving. A greater look around the SEC, uh, two coaches of the year, according to the coaches who voted on this, Buzz Williams and Jerry Stackhouse. Player of the year is Brandon Miller. Of course, you can say what you want about him and his role and uh, the off-the-field ordeal that's going on down there in Tuscaloosa regarding that basketball team, which is just tragic. Uh, when he was on the field, he was, or when he was on the court, he was certainly electric. Brandon Miller named the player of the year in the SEC and the freshman of the year in the SEC. <clears throat> Excuse me. Javon Quinterly of Alabama named the sixth man of the year. And Defensive Player of the Year was Liam Robbins of Vanderbilt. Uh, actually, there were two six-mans of the year, Javon Quinterly and Antonio Reeves of Kentucky. Um, some other guys on the first team. So, joining Vescovy on the first team was Brandon Miller of Alabama. Uh, Colin Castleton, we know who that is from Florida. Oscar Sheboy, of course, we know him from Kentucky. Tulu Smith from Mississippi State. Kobe Brown from Missouri. Wade Taylor the fourth from uh, Texas A&M. And Liam Roberts of Vanderbilt. On the second team was Mike Sears of Alabama. Anthony Black and Ricky Council the fourth <clears throat> against Ar or for Arkansas. Uh, Johnny Broom and Wendell Green Jr. of Auburn. We saw them last week. KJ Williams of LSU and Tyrese Radford of Texas A&M all joining Zakai Ziegler on the second team and that defensive team. Uh, Charles Batiaco or whatever that's the center I believe for Alabama. Uh, Devontae Davis of Arkansas, Colin Castleton of Florida, Zakai Ziegler of Tennessee, and Liam Roberts. Uh, Vanderbilt and the other freshmen on the all freshman team, along with Julian Phillips, Gregory GG Jackson, who was the number one overall player in the country for South Carolina, Chris Livingston and Carson Wallace of Kentucky, uh, Riley Kugel of Florida, Anthony Black of Arkansas, and then a trio of uh, tied members, Jaden Bradley, Noah Clowney, and Brandon, Brandon Miller. Uh, so a good showing for Tennessee in terms of the all SEC recipients for this season. We'll see how Tennessee does against either Ole Miss or uh, South Carolina coming up on Thursday in the SEC tournament. All right, guys, when we come back, we'll get to your mailbag questions of the show. But first, I want to tell you about a proud sponsor of the show, and that is FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Sportsbook, the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is a perfect time to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's America's number one sportsbook because now customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, it is secure, and it is super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores, even the three-pointers drain. You can uh, check out the spread, money line total, player props, player points for rebounds, assists, all that type of stuff. Great prop bets, and you can even mix some things together, right? Like uh, two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Like all that can be found at FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, let's you combine that FanDuel Sportsbook. It also lets you combine bets for a bigger chance at a payout with same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to FanDuelSportsbook.com/slash locked on. That is FanDuel Sportsbook. 
FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, guys, we got a final segment left here of your Tuesday edition of Locked On Vols. Don't forget, coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have Josh Ward for a little Ward Wednesday. We'll continue to preview Tennessee spring practice that's coming up week after next, all that and more. And plus, get you set for Tennessee and the SEC tournament. That's all right here at Locked On Vols. But every Tuesday, we open up the mailbag. If you guys have any questions, any comments, any concerns uh, about Tennessee basketball, Tennessee football, spring practice, recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols, whatever you got, it's right here at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Vols. Got a couple of questions we'll hit on today, but more than anything, I want to go around and kind of kind of share where some of these people are listening from uh, from around the world, and it's it's truly incredible. But first, we'll get to those Twitter Tuesday questions. We'll start with James. James says uh, he wants to know about the shortening of halftime in terms of trying to trying to make games. Um, Shorter college football is trying to make games shorter, condense the games a little bit, experimenting with clock rule change and all that type of stuff. And James wants to know if you know potentially if you can shorten the halftime to get it to be like the NFL. I haven't heard that discussed much, to be completely honest with you. And maybe because, and maybe this is a silly answer, but maybe because college football is more of a pageantry compared to the NFL. You've got the bands, you've got, I mean, it's a show at halftime, right? And I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I haven't watched an NFL halftime show, and I've been to some NFL games, but I, I just I don't know because if you're watching at home, like the the majority of us are for NFL games, you're going back to the studio during halftime break. So I know in college games you get a performance, at least for Tennessee, from the Pride of the Southland marching band, and it's I mean that that's incredible, right? And there's a lot of other things that go on during halftime, but um, I haven't heard much talk about it, so I, I I couldn't speak on that. But I did some research, research, right, and it looks like college halftimes are, are on average are 15 minutes and the back judge actually sits there in time zone. Actually, that's in the NFL. Sorry, sorry. Hold on. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, but college halftimes are 15 minutes. But the NCAA and the leagues give you leeway when there are big-time rivalry games, like, say, Tennessee-Alabama, say, Tennessee-Georgia. It can balloon to maybe 20 minutes. And that also is the case for homecoming games and for uh, bowl games. So... 15 minutes at the minimum, sometimes it's 20 minutes, but in comparison to the NFL, the NFL is 13 minutes on the dot and the bag judge is sitting there timing it. I guess if a team comes out too late or is not ready to start the second half, then they'll get a penalty or something. But um, I have not heard much about the shortening of halftime. It's been more about experimentation with the clock rule changes. Uh, but what we do know, we say it all together, nothing's going to change in terms of TV timeouts because that is where the money is. Uh, good stuff, James. Sorry I overlooked you last week. Let us go. Uh, I found a Twitter Tuesday question. I always encourage you guys to go on Apple Podcasts and leave me a review, right? And I was checking those out. I hardly ever check them. I tell you guys to go there a lot. About once every three months, I go and check and see uh, some of the stuff that's written. And I can't thank you enough. Those reviews are really nice. Most of them. Some of them make me laugh. Uh, but you, you can't always bat a thousand, right? But this is coming from Valhalla24. And it says Monday, so I'm going to say this was last Monday. Um, it says, I don't have social media, so hopefully you can see my question on here. It took me a week, but I found it. For a million dollars, you have to compete in one of the following. Which do you pick? I like this. Complete a pass beyond the line of scrimmage as a quarterback. Catch a five-plus yard pass as a wide receiver. Run for one-plus yards as a running back or kick a PAT while in an NFL game, which one would you pick? 
Love the pod. Well, I love this question. This has nothing to do with Tennessee, but I love this question. All right, so it's in an NFL game setting, and it's for a million dollars. I have to complete a pass, run a yard, catch a five-plus yard pass, or kick a PAT. All right, so with a million dollars on the line, throwing a pass, I do not want to put myself in that situation because I feel like that would be the hardest thing to do. So throwing a pass is out for me. Um, catching a pass, I could, I'm not saying I could do that in that setting, but it's not like it's difficult to run a little slant or run an out or whatever. Uh, you got to get some, you got to get some depth there in that route though, to make it five plus yards. But do I want to take the chance of a dropping it B getting plastered over the middle by a linebacker? No, I do not. So that one's out for me. Kicking a PAT, I feel like might be the easiest one. Um, we all like to hate on kickers. Uh, kickers are either the heroes or the goats. It's all super easy, but remember, in the NFL, they moved him back, so it's like a 25-yard field goal, and the field goal posts are sh are are in tighter than they are in college. Um, I've gone out and kicked a bunch of field goals in my life. It's it's honestly, it's not that difficult. I've never done it in a game setting, never done it in pads. So of course, um, I, I think it's not that hard. But I've never had a rush coming at me. But still, since I'm not a kicker, I, I'm going to say I wouldn't do that either. Running for one plus yards as a running back. I mean, come on, guys. Like, I understand I'm not going to be, like, you know, rattling off a big gain of 50 yards. I understand I'm not going to be a 100-yard rusher. But if I line up, give me my shoulder pads and helmets, all right? Let me stretch a little bit. If I line up, give me give me that eye formation, and you just turn around and hand me the football, and I'm running behind an NFL offensive line, you can't tell me I can't get one yard for a million dollars? I feel like, one, that'd be my strength. Two, that'd be easy. All right, that's just me. Now, do I have to hold on to the football? Because I bet I would get torn apart and they'd strip that ball or blindside me or whatever and that ball go flying. But I think that is the most, I think that is the easiest way to get a million dollars in this scenario. Kicking, I don't think it'd be that difficult, but it is pressure. I don't want to do that. Throwing, heck no. Catching a pass, I don't want to take the chance of dropping it or getting blindsided over the middle. Running behind an offensive line, just just eye formation, offset eye, turn around, give me the football. Maybe a little, uh, maybe a little 18, um, you know, an 18 slant over there towards the, you know, off tackle. I feel like I would have more success doing that. Uh, love that question, by the way. Any questions like that you want to throw in here on mailbag shows, by all means, do it. I, I love that stuff. All right, let's move on. This is coming from Josh, and this inspired the question of the day here in terms of what freshman do I, am I looking forward to seeing the most? Easy answer is Nico Iamaliava, the quarterback. My answer is going to be... Cam Seldon. Cam Seldon. Tennessee's going to be down some running backs, I feel like, in the spring, offseason surgeries and all that. Good opportunity for Cam Seldon. Good opportunity for local product Deshaun Bishop. Good opportunity for, you know, some of those guys already on the roster uh, to, you know, really, you know, uh, Samson as well, to, to really, you know, take control of that room and to, to get some valuable reps. Cam Seldon, I believe, is going to start out a running back in the spring. Of course, what do they use him? Does he? How quickly does he master it? Does he master it in the spring? Do they put in some things for him, or do they let him rep at a little wide receiver? I'm intrigued to follow that storyline. I think that is uh, going to be really, really interesting. So Cam Seldon is my answer. Appreciate that, Josh. What about you guys? What freshman are you, are you looking forward to seeing the most during football spring practice? That is the cue of the day. Let me know right here on YouTube or by tweeting me at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Balls. All right, last thing I do want to point out, uh, a lot of you guys who have been uh, uh, answering my question from last week, where in the world are you watching 
are listening to this show. C. Norm White says that he drives across the country 5,000-plus mile journey every week and that he listens. He is from He's listening from North Georgia Mountains all the way to the West Coast. C. Norm, really, really do appreciate that. Uh, we got Ray... Or Ra Ellison, I'm not sure. Uh, it's just a bunch of letters put together. Anyway, it's on Twitter and says, love listening to the pod. Uh, here in the Bay Area of California, raised in Morristown. What's up, Jeff City? We're neighbors and a lifelong Vol fan. Appreciate that. Thanks so much for listening to uh, the pod from California. Quickly, I'm going to read through some of the YouTubes from last week. Let's see here. Uh, listening from beautiful northern Colorado. Love Denver. Been there twice. Played a football game up there at the Colorado School of Mines. Thought I was going to die from the altitude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, love northern Colorado. Love love the state of Colorado, but I've been there to, to Denver a couple of times. Appreciate you. Let's see here. Jeff says, ooh, let's see here. No, Joseph says, listening from New Jersey. Love that. Steve says, from Columbus, Ohio. Love that. Um, Jeffrey says from Maribel, Tennessee, got to have the local flair. Love that. Let's see here. Helenwood, Tennessee. Shout out Reno, Nevada. Shout out, um, Kissimmee, Florida. What's up, Neil? Appreciate you, man. See it. Orion from Calhoun, Tennessee. Love that. Irwin, Tennessee from Carlos. Got a got a lot of great people up there near the Tri Cities. That's where a lot of my family's from. Athens, Georgia. Hello, enemy territory. <clears throat> Nashville from Nashville. Listen to it in Lexington, Kentucky. Love that, Matt. Appreciate you. Pensacola, Florida. Liberty University. What's up, Flames? Chattanooga, Tennessee. Bristol, Tennessee. That is where my family's from. Bristol, Tennessee. A great place to live. Spent. I lived up there for two summers of my life. Been up there, you know, several times a year. Up, you know, from as long as I can remember. Love Bristol. Shout out to you, Heath. Uh, Eaton Rapids, Michigan. Okay, I like that. Los Angeles, California, right here in King Sports. Let's see here, right here where your sponsor Spivey King and Spivey are located in King Sport, Tennessee, baby. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that's on another program, but hey, uh, go K Mets. Am I right? Tampa, Florida. Eloria, Tennessee, another Athens, Georgia. What's up, Vol fans? Columbia, Tennessee, Garland, Texas, Hampton, Tennessee, Columbia, South Carolina, London, United Kingdom. What is up, John? Appreciate that. Let's see here. Gadsden, Alabama, Chattanooga, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Chattanooga, Montevallo, Alabama. If I mispronounced that, I'm sorry. Right here in Knox, Vegas. Johnson City, Northeast Alabama, Franklin, North Carolina. I mean, it goes on and on. Memphis, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, Elizabethan, Tennessee, Puerto Rico. Love that. Tupelo, Mississippi, and Jefferson City, Tennessee. There are just a couple more that I'm not, I'm not even going to have time to get to. But, guys, hey, thank you so much. I just wanted to know. I thought that was a fun exercise. And uh, thank you so much for engaging and taking part in that. Um, can't thank you enough. I say this all the time, but I truly that you take your time out of your day where you could be doing anything, listening to anyone, watching anything, especially if it's vol content. There's so many other outlets out there, but you are choosing to hang out with us here on Lockdown Vaults every single day. It means so much to me. Thank you so much and uh, allowing me to do what I love. Thanks for the support. We'll come back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Locked on SEC and Locked on College Basketball. Make that your second, third listen right behind Locked on Vols. 
Josh Ward, and a whole lot more coming up on your Ward Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. That's coming up tomorrow, guys. Appreciate it. Stay safe, and we'll do it again tomorrow. This is Locked On Vols.